Good morning. My name is Steve Murphy. I'm one of the ministers here at Discover. Thanks for joining us, whether you're here in the building or checking us out online. Um, <clears throat> this month, we're uh, digging into a series that's kind of challenging. And uh, just kind of started off this way. Have you ever lost sleep because you just had this question, this, this thing you couldn't get answered about God? <clears throat> well, if so, you're not alone. You're not alone. Uh, this month, we're going to be looking at questions that can rob us of sleep, but looking at some answers that might bring us rest. Just uh, starting at the end of the month and working back up to today, March 26th, does God still speak to people? And if so, what's it like, and how can I get in on that? March 19th, uh, we're going to have Dr. Johnny Presley from Cincinnati Christian University. He's going to be with us answering questions your questions about God. So you can submit those to toughquestions, is that right? Toughquestions2017 at gmail.com. You can send those in today, um, or you can write them on the back of your uh, connection card, just whatever questions you might have about God. Um, kind of excluding the three that we're going to talk about otherwise, um, you know, in the series. But any question you have about God, uh, just... Johnny Presley is going to be here to answer those. It's going to be a great week. That'll be on the 19th. And then next week, we're going to look at this question. Why does God seem different in the Old Testament and the New Testament? It's something a lot of us wrestle with. And today, we're going to ask this question. If God is good and powerful, why does suffering exist? Well, the word if is very important here. The implication is that if God is good and powerful, then suffering should not exist. But it does, as we know. So, either God is not good and just doesn't care, and that's why suffering exists, or God can't do anything about it. He's not powerful enough to stop suffering. Or maybe there's another possibility. Maybe this is deeper and more challenging and, and more mysterious than we can summarize in a question like this. The issues that we're going to talk about this month don't have simple, simple bumper sticker answers. Don't you love these bumper sticker Christianity things, you know? <laughs> sometimes they're great and sometimes they just make me a little frustrated. But um, anyway, people have been debating this particular issue of suffering for thousands of years. So we're not going to solve it in 25 minutes. I hate to disappoint you. <laughs> this series is going to require us to dig deep and pray hard and sometimes admit we simply don't have all of the answers. That being said, in the bulletin, there are listed for you some resources that will allow you to, to study each of these issues today specifically on suffering more in depth and, and see what God has to say about it. Let's ask this question. How do various worldviews um, and religions deal with the idea of suffering? Now, again, this is very brief. These are not sufficient answers, but they do kind of give you a brief overview. If God is good and powerful, why does suffering exist? Buddhism would say that you just need to be encouraged to desire nothing, to reach nirvana, and then you won't feel any pain. If you can just rise above the physical world, 
You're not going to be attached to anything or anyone. And so pain becomes irrelevant to you. However, the world is real. And suffering is real. And ignoring it doesn't help anybody. Except maybe you in your isolated little bubble. But Jesus didn't live that way. And he doesn't want us to do that either. Hinduism is a, is a very broad, almost a, a, a conglomeration of various religious paths. But um, Hinduism, essentially, most Hindu teaching uh, and, and regarding suffering states that reincarnation rewards or punishes you um, from your previous life. And so karma gives you what you deserve. So you don't have any right to complain if you're suffering. Just suffer and try to live better this time around, and you should have a better life in your next reincarnation. But this idea of karma, if you do bad, you receive bad. If you do good, you receive good, just doesn't really hold up in, real wor- in the real world. Because we know, and the Bible clearly says, that there are times that the wicked prosper and the righteous are crushed. And also, some of us have been to India, And when you see innocent children suffering and you know that God loves them and Jesus died for them and and God wants them to experience love and acceptance and healing, your heart breaks that they would be told you're suffering because of something you did in the past life. Islam teaches that you should submit and just don't ask questions. If suffering comes, simply accept it and even use that suffering to purge evil. Well, there's something in there that, that has some purpose. Um, the idea that, that suffering could purge evil because, in fact, God does use suffering to purge evil. Not in the same way. And we're going to see that at the end of this teaching. But still, even in this teaching, God is distant. He's not relational. And you're not allowed to ask any questions. And there's also this danger that exists that extremists in any religion, that's any religion, will utilize hate and fear and prejudice to justify evil acts in the name of defeating evil. But God does not call his people to that lifestyle. Naturalism or fatalism says it is what it is. Suffering has no purpose, so just try to avoid it. And speaking of purpose, why are we here anyway? (laughs) This world is all there is to be happy and figure out what makes you happy and the ways you enjoy life and just keep doing those things over and over as often as you can and avoid anything that's challenging, any suffering. But avoiding suffering as we've seen, is not any kind of solution. Why did Sandy Hook and Orlando and Paris and the Twin Towers happen? Why do hurricanes and tornadoes and earthquakes take so many lives? Why are there painful voids in our families where children should be? 
Why do people struggle with cancer or strokes or heart disease or any number of horrible difficulties? Why is my mom captive to a horrible neurological disorder that's so painful that its nickname is the suicide disease? Why do children in Haiti live in physical poverty? Why do children in India live in physical and spiritual poverty? Why do people face debilitating physical or emotional challenges? Honestly, I don't know. Here's what I do know. I do know that God is good. And I do know that God is powerful. And though it's hard for us to comprehend, maybe this question, if God is good, why does, and powerful, why does suffering exist, it is somewhat like this question. Can God make a rock so big that he can't lift it? Maybe it's not the right question. Maybe, maybe it's just not quite correct. What if, mysteriously, miraculously, powerfully, lovingly, God does something through difficulty that can't be accomplished any other way? I don't know about you, but I just tend to avoid difficult things. I don't run to them and embrace them and say, give me hard things to do, Lord. Lord, I just want more of those. But when we tend to avoid difficult things, we tend to avoid spiritual growth. Our physical and our spiritual lives are much more closely related than we sometimes realize. So imagine you have a, a personal physical trainer, and this uh, trainer has you in the middle of a workout, and you are sweating, and you are straining, and you are giving literally everything that you can. And they say, all right, 10 more reps. And you're like, no possible way. Are you kidding me? And they go, come on, you can do it. Three more, and you do three more, and they go, okay, you can do five more. And you're like, nah. and, and you just, you're dying. And literally, you're saying, would you just shut up? <laughs> I can't do this anymore. But in reality, you know that in the end, the strain and the challenge bring growth. Paul was um, a man named Paul who wrote almost half of what we call the New Testament of the Bible. He was kind of like a personal spiritual trainer for a man named Timothy. And he wrote these words to him. Physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Again, our spiritual reality has parallels to our physical reality. The reality of this life is that suffering exists. And yet, somehow, 
somehow something is accomplished. In the Old Testament, a man named Joseph faced horrible suffering. And it all started because his own brothers turned on him, sold him into slavery. But his conclusion when he met them years later was, everything you intended for harm, God turned into good. For 40 years, the, the, the Israelites, they wandered in the wilderness, but in that time, they saw God's provision. Later, that, that group of Israelites became a, a powerful nation and experienced peace and prosperity, but it was brief, relatively brief. And this united kingdom divided became two. And it wasn't long before the Assyrian Empire came in and completely wiped out the northern kingdom. And not long after that, Babylon came in and overtook the southern kingdom and placed them in captivity. Eventually, Alexander the Great came through and, and conquered that territory, and then Rome came in after that, and, and Israel was still subjected and into that, God physically came to earth. Jesus was born. And Jesus spoke into that reality and said, it's going to get better. But the way it got better was that Jesus, who was 100% innocent, was going to have to suffer brutally. See, Christianity does not avoid suffering. In a way, Christianity leans into it. Christianity says God can use anything, even suffering, to bring about good. But more importantly, God suffered for our good. Now again, this is anything but simple. It's mysterious. This is Confusing at times. Pastor Tim Keller, speaking of suffering, writes this. With time and perspective, most of us can see good reasons for at least some of the tragedy and pain that occurs in life. Why couldn't it be possible that, from God's vantage point, there are good reasons for all of them? If you have a God great and transcendent enough to be mad at because he hasn't stopped evil and suffering in the world then you have at the same moment a God great and transcendent enough to have good reasons for allowing it to continue that you can't know. Listen to these verses. From John 16, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Hebrews 12. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, 
so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. James 1. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. 1 Peter 1. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Romans 5. We also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. 2 Corinthians 4, we are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. 1 Peter 4, if you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. In these verses, the Bible says that things such as these are accomplished through suffering. Peace. Victory through Jesus. Perseverance. Character. Genuine faith. Maturity. So much that you will lack absolutely nothing. The life of Jesus will be revealed in you. God can restore you and make you strong. A woman who had a daughter with a rare medical condition was interviewed. And in the last line of the interview... She said, quote, my prayer for my daughter every night is, dear God, please let my daughter feel pain. What kind of a horrible mother would pray that? <laughs> God, let my daughter feel pain. She wasn't a horrible mother. She was a loving mother because her daughter, her, her rare disorder that's only been suffered by a few people was that she literally could feel no physical pain. And because of that, she was constantly in danger. See, her body couldn't feel pain, but her body could still be wounded. And so she could step on a nail and not know, or place her hand on a burner and not feel her flesh melt. Please don't misunderstand. I'm not trying to minimize suffering or pain. And, and I'm not saying that whatever pain you're facing is, is sent from God. But what if, what if at least some of the suffering we face isn't a burden to tear us down, but an opportunity for us to be built up? Now, 
all of us prefer mountaintop experiences, don't we? I mean, we talk about these mountaintop things, and, and uh, it's beautiful up there. But have you ever noticed that once you get to a certain height on a mountain, nothing grows? Nothing grows there. And down in the valley where it's hot and there's pressure and there's moisture and there, there are dead things that, that have washed down and, and decay that has washed down and, sorry, but poop that has washed down into the valley, all of that stuff is there. And what happens? That's where things grow. Now, all that being said, you might feel the same way that I do. Whatever, I'd rather not face this in the first place. Guess what? Jesus felt the same way. He didn't want to face suffering any more than you or I do. Listen to Luke chapter 22. Jesus withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Here, God in the flesh, Jesus, faces suffering. And we can learn from him. The first thing we can learn is that it's okay to ask for a different path. Jesus did that. He said, take this from me. Yes, there are theological why answers such as the world is broken because of sin and that's why there's suffering and, and there are some valid points to be made there. But they don't change the reality that we do not want to suffer. Though he knew it would bring eternal blessing to everyone who placed their faith in them, Jesus had zero desire to suffer. He asked, if it's possible, Father, please take this from me. Isn't there some other path? Why does it have to be this? He could have shouted, it's not fair. And it absolutely wasn't. God is big enough for you to ask for a different path. But realize that God is also big enough to carry you down any path. That's the second thing we learn from Jesus. He trusted God, though it was challenging. He said, yet not my will, but yours be done. At the end of the day, you're going to place your faith in something. Where are you going to place your trust? In yourself? In doctors? In science? In humanity? In religion? Jesus trusted God through a relationship. And yet it hurt horribly, but he trusted God. 
And as Jesus trusted his father, God provided strength to face the difficulty. And that's the third thing we learn here, that God will provide the, the strength to face any anguish. An angel strengthened him, and he prayed more earnestly. There may be times when God takes away the suffering, but notice here, God did not take away the anguish. Jesus still had to face the situation, but he was not alone. Even though his friends fell asleep on him and later completely abandoned him, God provided angels to strengthen his son. Please, if there's only one thing you get from today, some of you really need to hear this. You do not need to suffer alone. The enemy is already using whatever you're, you're facing, whatever suffering you're facing, to cause doubt and fear, maybe even shame and isolation. Do not let him do that. Don't let him win. You don't have to suffer alone. You don't. There are people here who will simply listen. They're not going to try to fix everything because they can't. But they will stay with you. They will pray with you. They will love you. At least that's what we ideally should do. And that's the next thing. We all need to step up to this challenge. We will not let people, people suffer alone. The church is a family, and we need to be there and care for each other. So if someone courageously asks you to be with them, be with them. Go out of your way to be the hands and feet of Jesus. The one time they ask may be the only chance you get. After God created Adam, he said, it is not good for man to be alone. And so God created Eve. We are not meant to be alone. We are not meant to suffer alone. And in the New Testament, there are all kinds of verses that talk about the people of God being there for one another. They're called the one another verses. And I encourage you to look those up. Encourage one another. Pray for one another. Uplift one another. And listen to these verses about the God who will never let you be alone. Isaiah 41.10 says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 43, God says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. And again, notice, God is not necessarily removing the waters and the fire, but he is walking with us through those times. Psalm 23, one of the favorite psalms of the Bible for most people, says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. And in the book of Hebrews, it says, God will never leave us, will never forsake us. God is with us even in our suffering. And yet, 
in a miraculous act of love, Jesus suffered and died alone. And we call it Good Friday. When it comes to suffering, how can we let God off the hook? Well, God says, I agree with you. So I will stay on the hook so you can get off of it. Again, we don't fully understand everything about this, but, but it can't be that God doesn't care and that God has no power because the, pro- the cross proclaims that God is good and loving and the resurrection proclaims that God is powerful. When Jesus was on the cross and literally became sin for us, God the Father had to turn away. So Jesus painfully cried out in another question, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you turned your back on me? Jesus suffered and died alone so you and I would never have to. It was horrible, but it was good for us because of love. In their book, Why Suffering, Ravi Zacharias and Vince Vitale write this. When you are in Christ, you never have to go looking for someone who understands your suffering. You never have to go looking for someone who cares. That someone is always with you, even within you. For we do not have a God who is distant, but one who has known sorrow, one who has wept, and one who is not far from any one of us. This is where the Christian message stands tall above any other teaching on pain and suffering and goes beyond any other answers to our problem. The intellectual answers are important, but intellect alone cannot help us navigate the minefield of pain and suffering. Other worldviews also offer intellectual answers, but Christianity alone offers a person. This morning, if you would like to pray with someone, our elders who are in the room are going to come at the beginning of the song, and they're just going to be up here in the front. And if you want to come and pray with them, um, do that. Let God's arms envelop you in an embrace of love and grace and peace. Let's stand and let's sing.